There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, okay, listen now for the click track, everybody. Uh, and away we go. This is uh, track one. Take one, yeah. One, two, three, four... Hello, my name is Sonic Architect Adam Shanahan and welcome to the latest edition of Before the Encore. This is an offshoot of the No Encore music podcast, um, which I have the pleasure of editing and producing for the guys each week, Dave and Craig. Um, And the lads have been persuaded (laughs) by me uh, to give me a little chance to talk uh, to some people in the music industry who are more behind the scenes, producers, songwriters, beatmakers, and people along those lines to just get a bit of an insight into their creative process and um, a little bit about them and kind of a, you know, a conversation that some people might not hear otherwise. Um, A lot of these people are friends of mine, uh, people who I've met across my time um, since being in bands or um, being in the production world. And uh, today I have to say I'm very grateful that I'm speaking to a friend of mine, um, from Cork, his name is Rob O'Halloran, more commonly known as Jar Jar Junior, the super producer, lo-fi beat maker to the stars. Um, you may know some of his work, but not actually know who he is. Um, he's got millions and millions of hits on YouTube. Um, if you look up any of his any of his beats, you know that lo-fi era was something that he was kind of, you know, he was very much in the thick of it in the SoundCloud era. Um, he's got 44,000 odd followers on on a SoundCloud still. Um, he's releasing music in terms of instrumental music and he's also releasing uh, music which he's started to rap on. And um, I'm very fortunate to be able to be mixing some of his stuff. Um, we actually touch on that briefly in the conversation. But um, he's an amazing producer. Placements on uh, Kojak's first album, 
uh, Bubby's Cream was uh, Jar Jar Jr. beat. And he's just been such an inspiration to so many people, so many beat makers um, in Ireland and abroad, I'm sure, um, having such success enough to be asked by Splice to curate a sample pack. And anyone who has a DAW or Ableton or FL Studio knows how much of a big deal that is um, to be asked to do a Splice pack and uh, particularly given how much we, you know, we rely on that nowadays for sample selection and sound selection. And um, yeah, it's just it was great to be able to sit down with him. Um, I met him, uh, I think it was at the end of 2019. Um, I was down in Cork giving Nilo a dig out with a show and uh, for Sounds from a Safe Harbour actually in the Kino which is sadly since closed it's one of my favourite venues I've ever had the pleasure of setting foot inside as either a spectator or a um, you know person who was involved with a live show and it's unfortunately closed um, so big shout out to the Kino uh, it's a venue that'll be sorely missed but the day we were down with the Nilo crew um, Jar Jar Jr. was opening up for us and it's the first time um, I had the pleasure of meeting him he's such a kind guy we've stayed in touch ever since um, like I said we've been doing a bit of work together but um, it's been really nice just to be able to properly chat to him and get into uh, get into the, the thick of it and about his process and just to step into that world with him for a little while um, so I'm very very glad that he agreed to do it and it's a lengthy enough episode Um this one but I like to think that there's a lot of content in there that could be interesting to a number of people whether it just be people who are interested in hearing you know the process of someone who makes beats and you know does their own stuff to someone who's working in a studio and maybe is on the outside or the far side of that process an artist perhaps um, who would be procuring beats from the likes of YouTube SoundCloud and beat stars that kind of stuff Um, so it was a really, really lovely conversation and I was very, very thankful to have him. So once again, I'd just like to say thanks to Rob for taking the time out of his Sunday afternoon um, on the day of recording to uh, speak to me and talk shop with me for a little while. It was a really, really pleasant conversation. Just to note at the top of the show, like I said before, this is an offshoot of the No Encore Music podcast. It's a weekly digest of music news, an album review and a top five shootout um, that that team changes every week and it's um it's always really fun to listen in on and see the guys' reactions to each other's picks. Um so now that you've familiarized yourself with the No Encore format, I encourage you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you get your updated feed um and you'll get the podcast straight straight in there. You'll be able to see them every Friday. Um, this one is a periodical, so whenever this arrives, um, it'll be straight in your feed as well. We've also got a movie offshoot in the form of No Popcorn, in which Dave uh, speaks with Dave Higgins and Norma Howard, and they dive into uh, music-related movies where there's uh, a tie in, and um, that's always very interesting to listen to. So I highly, highly, highly encourage you to hit that subscribe button. No Encore is on Patreon as well. We would really, really appreciate your support. Um, at the moment... None of us are going out and all we ask for is the price of a pint once a month. Um, it really, really helps keep the show on the road. It's enabled uh, Dave and Craig to exponentially improve their sound setup this year um, and has allowed us to continue to podcast in a remote setting um, in, this, in the <laughs> dystopian Zoom era still, um, more than 12 months on at this point. 
but we're very very grateful to anyone who has been able to help out and help us get equipment and um in return we provide playlists we provide a monthly and it's a new uh feature in the no encore feed it's a monthly rundown of what dave and craig are listening to um, it's very very fun it's super casual and also i found we've done so far at the time of recording we've done one and um, the newest one is to be recorded soon and i found in the first one i took away four or five amazing recommendations from the guys so i fully recommend getting on board for that you'll also find uh two q a episodes on there in which we answer questions from the Patreon and we answer questions that were sent in to us by email and DM on Twitter. You can find us as well on Twitter at No Encore Show. And if you want to get in touch with us, it's No Encore at, I think it's No Encore Show at gmail.com. I'm open to correction on that. I may have to edit this. Um, but again, thank you to everyone who's listened to this, who's listened to me talk on. Um, before we get into this conversation, I'm just elong- elongating the podcast at this point. So I'm going to calmly be quiet and I'm going to let you guys dive into the conversation that I had with Jar Jar Jr. Talking just about how things have progressed for you, I know that your um your large what seems to be kind of like your largest following, at least from just a little bit of research that I've done, um, and you know the way the kind of uh, bracket I suppose you would have traditionally fit into um, was SoundCloud so what was your experience with that and what led up to that point what led up to you putting your beats on there for people to hear and how did you push them um, uh, I don't really know I don't know what it was that drew me to SoundCloud originally like I'm not sure why and I know that like YouTube and everything would have been a brilliant I yeah it would have been a brilliant platform and then it's annoying that all the beats ended up on YouTube anyway, but just not through my name. So therefore, like any sort of kind of crowd or listenership or kind of following that could have been assembled on YouTube has been kind of dissected by me just being so stubborn. I've no idea why SoundCloud. I think probably because of people like Tom Mish and there was another guy I was massively into as well, a guy called BSD.U, I think beside you, but like... uh abbreviated and squished for lo-fi hip-hop purposes and aesthetic reasons <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I think it was those people, I think I just admired kind of the the DIY ethos of that. And I didn't even really know about music production in terms of like a studio and clients and that sort of thing. I knew about, the only thing I knew about was music production in terms of finding a cool sample and creating a drum group to match it and then grabbing uh, a vocal from some of one of my favorite hip hop songs and layering that on top and kind of that was just all I knew that was the big picture at that point in time 
I didn't know anything. I didn't see beyond that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of why SoundCloud to begin with. That's why it was remixes to begin with. It was more um, an escape from what I was doing in college and just an escape from the harder stuff. Um, and when I say harder stuff, I don't mean like sad life trauma stuff. I just mean literally mm. just like, I don't want to study for that exam let me make a song and I used to make a song every Sunday and put it on SoundCloud and that's kind of where everything started from that's a good like I think it's a good habit to get into mm. to give yourself that um, time to set aside and work on your own stuff mm. and, and it's it's a discipline in itself mm. um, and do you feel like that was where it progressed into do you feel like that was where it progressed into you know moving away from moving away from the kind of um, like the acapellas where you were layering the acapellas over and then you kind of moved into your own stuff then later on and mm. you were working closer with rappers mm. that were local mm. with, you know Kojak is probably something that you you know you would be known for mm. um, in the Irish in the Irish industry anyway yeah. um, so wh- where do you feel like that split happened then? Um, I don't know for a long time it was definitely happening like the two of them were happening or not for a long time but for a period of time the two of them were happening kind of side by side so like I was doing my own hip-hop remixing thing and I was also making beats for other people and I think it was probably a good way for me to like shop the beats um like just be like look who I am this is what I can do kind of thing imagine if this was your voice instead of like MF Doom or Kanye West or Nas or whoever um, mm-hmm. and it was also like it's kind of like a nice uh, copyright uh, protection type thing even though it's almost the opposite of that because I'm stealing so much stuff from so many people but like it stops <laughs> a person from just ripping the instrumental from SoundCloud and re-uploading it with their own vocals so to answer your question as to when it's split from kind of lo-fi SoundCloud DIY remixing to kind of my own lyrics and my own inverted commas artistry or songwriting or whatever I kind of like I never really realized that there was sort of a kind of a what's the word that people would I didn't realize that kind of remixing and stuff was looked upon as a kind of a lesser kind of form of creativity than actually writing your own and it makes a lot of sense now obviously but like I looked up to Kate Renata and I looked up to Tom Mish and these people who like as far as I was concerned, creating a great remix was like the apex of like music production. Do you know what I mean? If you could take something that was classic yeah. and kind of redress it and make it classic again, like I was like, that's what I was trying to do. And then I kind of, I kind of saw like, then I started seeing like the lo-fi hip hop playlists and stuff like that coming up and it's like mass produced music for the background. Like you don't want to know who the artist is. You don't want to know. You don't even want to listen to it, essentially. It's more like, I need to be distracted. I need my mind to be calmed down. And then I was like, okay, I don't necessarily want to... I don't want to be an artist to distract you. I want you to be some... I want to be someone that's listened to, you know, that kind of way. So yeah, I think that whole kind of, like, study um, thing that came about, that kind of turned me off the the word lo-fi and just the whole SoundCloud remixing thing. And SoundCloud seems to have kind of died a death, and I hate to say that because I'm only, like... I'm only fortifying that death by saying it. Um, mm, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I just remember like the heyday of SoundCloud where like you'd upload a song and you could come back like 24 hours later and you could have like 15,000 streams and like all these comments and all these reposts and the whole thing. Like you, like I used to, 
I used to get like just a hit off of it. I would, like I would go to bed and I would wake up the next morning and I'd be like, I cannot wait to like open it up and just see. And it's it, like it was kind of, it was real. Like it was probably a nasty kind of a thing to get into because it like it made me kind of like, I was like lusting for engagement then. And then when it kind of when SoundCloud died and I started kind of putting stuff up on Spotify, and that engagement wasn't there, then you're kind of like, what am I doing this for? Like even with those songs uh, from Two Pin Plug the tracks that I got you to mix for me. Yeah. Um, like I felt like they were good tracks and then when I put them up and like the engagement was little and it makes sense because you're like starting off on a new platform and you're starting off in a new kind of direction so you're losing like, you're losing people from the old platform. You're also probably like, uh, people that don't want to hear that, people that want to hear your lo-fi hip-hop remixes are going to be like, hmm, who's mm. this person? I don't really want to hear this. But... um. Yeah, basically I just realized that kind of beat making in itself was kind of looked upon as a lesser kind of form of creativity than music production for an artist and being an artist is kind of viewed as supreme again. More prestigious almost. So then I was just like, I don't really want to be, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be kind of seen as like bedroom boy, lo-fi anime kind of like, so whatever I was just like I just want to make music and I still I keep um, like anything that's like important from like lo-fi hip-hop or soundcloud beat making I try and take that with me so like any of like you know, like the higher drums and like the the rhythm and like the feel and all that sort of stuff I try and take that with you and just kind of like incorporate in like new instruments and just learning to play the keyboard and learning to play the guitar better and learning to kind of record vocals and sing better and stuff and just try and mash it all up all the influences into one little jar of yeah i love that like uh, i think you said something there and it's something that i think i suppose i've come to just think myself over time Mm. and it's like this whole lo-fi thing and like Mm. how it's kind of you say it's looked at as almost like a lesser form of creativity Mm. but i think Mm. there's so much to be said personally now i think there's so much to be said for someone making an instrumental track like that and being able to just invoke something Mm. and feeling Mm. or a memory or like I always talk about creating visual from the aural in terms Mm -hmm. of like if you are listening to something and you can close your eyes and see something clearly I think that's something that is a very very special thing it's something that your music has done for me particularly um, I remember I really got into uh, free parking on Sundays mm. and you put free parking on Sundays out. And then yeah. when I heard the Radio Juicy compilation and mm. you do, you put Bubby's Lament on that. Yes. I yeah. love that beat. That's like something that just you can shut off all your surroundings to and just disappear within this moment of music. It's mm. just a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I hate to hear that like that as a consensus in the music industry i'm not sure if it is a consensus but i know what you mean yeah like it there, like there's definitely a lot more prestige to being an artist or being yeah, a, yeah. like I, I and the whole music production thing i think it's just like i would produce music in a different way to you hmm. um and i like there's certain things that you can do that I can't and you know I think vice versa as well vice versa too do you know what I mean so like I think that now the term producer in the music 
scene and mm. this is something I've spoke about at length with some people um you know from the states and some people yeah. from from the UK and um you know I think the term has broadened massively in the last 20 years mm. like if you look at if you look at like the 80s and even early 90s you got like producers like Butch Vig mm. um I'll always go back to Rick Rubin Brian yeah. Eno mm. um you know all of these guys who are like their own entity in the room. They're like an yeah. extra instrument, right? Mm. Uh, but they're not even. They're not necessarily even doing anything. It's just yeah. like a. Pro- it's a project management thing. Yeah. Whereas now, it seems to be like an all-encompassing term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? Like what? What? What are your thoughts on on that situation in terms of like the broadening of this of the horizon of the term? Yeah, it it can be like it can be exciting and it can also be scary and it can also be disappointing and upsetting depending on what way you look at it, which is a real <laughs> blanket statement to say. But like, um, depending on who you are, so to get to that point first, like, I'm very much a person that like I will say I can't do something until I'm like expert level. You know what I mean? Like if someone yeah. says, "Can can you do this?" I would say no. And I might be tinkering around with it and trying to do it myself, but until it gets to the point where like, I absolutely know that I can do this as good as anyone, if not better, I will say, no, I don't do that, I can't do that. So then when someone asks you to mix the beat, like mix, so you they ask you to make the beat for them, you do that, you think your job is done, and then it's kind of like, right, can you mix and master that as well? And it's like, I, like I'm getting someone else to mix and master my songs now because I realized that that's something that you need to do because you can't do it all yourself and then it's kind of just like it's frustrating not frustrating frustrating when people are like can you do it all and it's like that's not my job essentially like as yeah. in I don't feel comfortable yeah yeah there's a lot that gets lost in I think in the spectrum like I get that as well mm. it's like I'm because I mix but I don't master and yeah, so yeah. I think that that goes hand in hand yeah they're it, like, why is like, masters Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it absolutely like this is the thing. It absolutely doesn't like master and engineers have specifically built mm. settings for that because mm. it's such a there's like minutia in there that needs yeah, yeah. to be ironed out to yeah. a, 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 like a tiny degree, like mm. super macro, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and it's like I find it hard to explain that sometimes, mm. but then. I think when you do actually just say, well, actually, this is the situation and mm. this is why I don't do it mm. um, and I outsource it for this reason or, mm. you know, um, then people are kind of more like, oh, all right. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and I think it's just about like sharing that knowledge as well, yes. because I think, like you say, it can be kind of frustrating sometimes that the producer role, quote unquote, mm-hmm. has like become an all encompassing thing because as such, so many roles get tied up in there, right? Yes. Because there are people who mix and master too, yeah, and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Like that's not a pro- that's not a problem. There's no. people who who are comfortable doing that. Yeah. They know how to master their own mixes and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great. But personally, I just don't feel comfortable to go into those macro details. Mm-hmm. And I like having someone like it's a sounding board to bounce someone, yeah. Yeah. something out, and then send it to them for mastering. They might say, right, when I'm in the mastering suite, I need you to adjust this, or mm-hmm. I need you to adjust that, just mm-hmm. slightly. Um, or is it meant to be this way? It's coming in a little bit hot in these parts. The mm. dynamics are, or what you know. Yeah. Um. So like that teaches me a lot. Then again, and it's yes. just like a constant, um, a constant symbiotic learning process. Yep, I get you. That's only something that I'm like figuring out now, and it's only something that I've become comfortable with now. Like I was always, and I think it's because when I first used to give beats to people um, on SoundCloud and stuff, and then they would be like, "Oh, hey, here's the song finished. It's been mixed and mastered." 
and like everything would be crushed like the drums and it was because my drums were so loud um and I would like take a very like I would limit it but like I wouldn't be limiting the sample I would just be limiting the drums and like the like I didn't really care about the level of the sample like visually or even in terms of decibels or anything like that I was just like does the snare sound correct does the kick sound correct right then let's bring the sample up a little bit or something but basically mm. my interpretation of mixing and mastering was like destroying that's what I like that's what <laughs> that's, that was what I thought of it as originally I was like no don't mix and master my song like so it it's taken me a long time to like figure out first and foremost that there's people with a lighter touch out there in the world and also that just handing your music off to someone else can be a good thing and allowing someone else to put their stamp on it can be a good thing as long as there's like communication there or whatever and this is it yeah. yeah I was just about to say like it has there has to be a trust element yeah. I think um, between and like that's trial and error and that can be tough too mm. like it's the same with anything like um, I think it's kind of I, I, I would liken it to um, counselling or therapy mm, right mm, like it's because that's something I've done but it's like and I, I kind of I'm comfortable with sharing mm. the analogy but it's kind of like um, you may not click with your first therapist yes so you might have to go and find someone else who you yeah. click with a little bit more and then and in you the might meantime you might be a little bit scared from the first one you're like i don't really know if i need that help exactly because that person didn't help me essentially and it's kind of like why did i go out in the first yeah, place yeah. to do this if yeah. you haven't had a good experience but yeah. it's just about like trying and trying and trying until you mm. find someone and sometimes it happens first time yep you know um yep. and so, sometimes it doesn't but um i think like what i what i really like about um the I suppose the people in uh, in Ireland you know mm. I haven't done a lot of work with people outside of Ireland I've worked with one master and engineer in the UK mm. um, and, he, and he's brilliant but mm. I found a guy in Limerick uh, yep. Richard Dowlin who does amazing work mm. um, master and he just he really gets my mixes and we have yes. like a really good relationship so yeah um, but even like just if, like shopping around and stuff like that I like I don't take it personally if someone's like I'm not actually mad on this mix I'm going to get someone else to mix mm, it yeah. or like or I, would you mix this part or do my vocals I'll get someone else to do the beat mm. or um, I'll record I won't record with you I'll record elsewhere but would you mind mixing this part or that part yeah, yeah. or it's like I'll record with you or someone else will mix it you know, I, yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. you don't mind I I don't mind that. Yeah. And I don't think that anyone else really does either. Yeah. I think that it's I think that's really important to remember that like people just want to get the best out of their music because it's yes. an art form, like yeah. and it's so close to like as someone who has like progressed from um and kind of you move in between, like you move in between kind of beatmaker, producer, artists and, and back and forth and there's mm. like you just kinda like um jump into each square as mm. you need to fill mm. that role and I think that's uh, incredibly great that um, you're so versatile but um, it can be hard so, though you know what I mean it's yeah. hard, it can be hard to like switch off so like say when you're making something for yourself and then when you are now put in the position where you're making something for someone else and you were like oh this would be amazing if we did this and they're like no let's not do that and you're like oh what the hell like how come I can't how come for some reason right now I can't do that thing or I can't put in yeah. that keyboard or I can't do anything like, so it's 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 difficult and I'm getting better at it but it's definitely hard for me but um, yeah. I'm getting better at just like understanding that I'm providing a service and I'm not like it's not my song right now do you know what I mean like it's mm. someone else's song this time so it's hard to let it's hard to let go of though isn't it yeah 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 you know if you have something that like and it's something i've definitely gotten better at over time mm. as well when i kind of started 
doing studio work, I noticed that I was a lot more inclined to not necessarily get frustrated, but for it to play on my mind a mm. little bit. Yeah. Um. I like. I don't find that I would be. I'm just. I don't think I just have it in me to have that like level of frustration. Mm. Just in general, like mm. I've never really been someone who's like super. Uh, it gets super in their head or super like yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of tense about stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just something that um, would play on my mind. I'd be like, why could you know? Why couldn't we try this or that? And it like it wouldn't necessarily get me down, but it'd be something that uh, be pondering. Would, it. I, I I just yeah, I ponder it. And now nowadays, I kind of adopt the theory of you know if uh, it's a case of like oh what do you think if we do this and this is like this is a thing where it could be coming from either side so it mm. could be coming from the artist to me or me to the artist mm. um and like with with Nilo we've we've got a really good relationship with this mm. now where it's like oh what do you think about this oh i'm not so sure well what if we try it and mm. see yeah yeah and if it doesn't work for one of us then we'll just yeah, yeah, abandon yeah. shit but at least we can say we tried it yeah, so yeah. that's something I'm trying to adopt now with all of the different mm-hmm. facets and yeah. it seems to be like it's something that works for everyone yes. if you just if you are trying it out and just like oh okay I know this is like this is something that could potentially you know this could be a really good mm-hmm. thing it might not necessarily be good but like nothing changes yeah. if it's if it's if, it's, if it doesn't hit 100% either. then it doesn't land yeah, kind of exactly. thing yeah exactly but it's nice yeah. then because it feels like it's kind of like when you're a child and you're playing with your friends and it's like, oh, can we do this? And they're like, no. And then someone else is like, can we do this? And they're like, yeah. And it's like, why? Why am I the one? Where? <laughs> so like, it's it's nice that like everyone yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. is getting like so like if so if the artist says, can we do this weird like effect or something? And you're like, oh, geez. But then you're like, can we do this like beat switch or something? And they're like, oh, geez. But everyone gets heard and everyone gets allowed to kind of have their fun and whatever. And it's like, no, no, yeah. crap on, stop. But it's just good that everyone's everyone's ideas get aired out, kind of thing. But yeah. I think like the further you get, um, at least what I found is the further that you move into, like deep into the either production game and studio settings or like the kind of higher you get with artists. And I'm not saying that like people who are just starting out as artists or musicians are mm. less mm. less mm. inclined. It's just like that. I suppose the self awareness might not necessarily be there yet, and even just like a level mm-hmm. of confidence within the artistry, 
and um, to experiment a little bit more and just have that freedom because it's mm. it's sometimes yeah. I personally I understand from someone who was in a band and it's like if you have this idea you get locked into it sometimes and you just find it hard to take the blinkers off. Mm. Um but yeah I think the further you move in to settings where you're working with established musicians like it feels like the reins are a little bit looser almost just on on all sides of the yeah, on yeah. all sides of the the uh, party yeah, yeah. you know so um I f- yeah. I find that like that's mm-hmm. been something that has it just improved over time with people and who you're dealing with do you mm. find that like that's something that yeah. w- would have happened even in the process with like Kojak or in the kind of process of you even making your own stuff yeah um I'm gonna answer it in two parts. So, like, I guess, I guess, and this is something you probably on. This is probably what you think. I don't know. Anyway, let me just answer it. But like, I guess when you when you get in deeper with someone who is more established, like they are, like the initial goals have been ticked off. So it's like I've done, I've done that. I've done this. I've done a song. I've done a solid verse. I've done a song with a hook, and I've done a song with a cool beat, and all this. So I guess like the like personal goals become more kind of like niche and. Yeah, focused or something. I don't know, and I guess the like the longer you've been there with someone, the more they know that you're there to like execute their vision and like that. Yeah, you exactly. almost have the same vision. It's kind of like Drake. Yeah, yeah, Drake yeah. yeah. Kind of it's thing. like you're you're locked into each other's thought process, and you can almost see ahead. Like I think mm. it's it, that's what I I find yeah. personally. You're almost, and it's not like an expected thing, but it's like a, the unspoken mm. thing where you're almost two steps yeah. ahead. Of what they're gonna say, yeah, exactly. You know, it's rolling exactly. towards something. Sorry for interrupting there, yeah. anyway. And it hasn't happened yet. No, you're grand. You're, you know, um, but um, I've never really had that just yet because I've never really been like. Because when I met Kojak, um, it was more. I was in a kind of an internet world, um, so I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't have a room with like a desk and monitor I had monitors like but you know they weren't <laughs> set up in the correct way and it wasn't a place where, it wasn't a place where you could like enter in and sit down and record vocals like it was the garage of my childhood yeah. home um, and you would have to walk past my mom and dad <laughs> in the kitchen to get there so like it was more just like um, I made some beats and he liked them and I sent them to him and he sent me drafts and it kind of it was back and forth like that um but i've never really been in a position just yet where it's kind of like take the wheel um and steer this ship you know kind of like i haven't really been given artistic freedom or whatever by someone because i don't really have someone to do mm. that with just yet um so yeah I, I i don't know i really don't know anymore um because when you don't have anything, you kind of think that everything above where you are is what you want. But then, when you get certain things, you kind of just say to yourself, "I don't know it's if this is what I want either." Playing so, field. This is something that I found mm, out myself. You yeah. Like after every, like I talk a lot about milestones. Um, just as a personal mm. thing, I find it's a good way to like just measure where I'm at. Um, and I ha- like I've yeah. always just like because it makes you. It drives you. It, well, I personally, I feel it drives me anyway. And mm, like, yeah. But yeah, at the yeah. same time, it's like when you tick something, it's like, okay, this feels good. What? What? But what's next? Do you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm I know, immediately yeah, yeah, not yeah. thinking about that anymore. Um, yeah, I know. I'm the same. And then I was talking about the SoundCloud thing and the kind of the hit and then mm. the lack of hit. It was kind of a similar thing. I was like, 
milestones for me were almost like stats insights like numbers, and, yeah, analytics like first yeah like first day numbers I'd be like oh that was the first song that did X amount of whatever and then when the platform starts dying and you're like oh god like am I going backwards even though like in terms of production and in terms of like professionalism and the way that you approached it and like your process and whatever everything it might be getting better but like in your own head you're like holy shit I'm going backwards mm. like I'm getting worse um, so I think milestones are definitely a healthy th- like if you set your milestones I don't know where I'm getting this from it sounds like something from Headspace <laughs> or like a thing from work or something but like if you set your I think it's from work if you set your goals like ahead of time and then once you reach them I don't know pat yourself on the back but it's definitely a good thing to do because you need to be nice to yourself because I think in a sport where uh, it takes place in a room <laughs> in the dark on your own like you need to kind of set up yeah, some sort of framework yeah, for important. like patting yourself yeah. on the back because yeah I know that yeah I would say that there's times where I've been like super unfulfilled by music even though it's something that like you expect to get all of your well it's, it was something at a period of time where I would have expected to get all of my fulfillment from it it's all I was doing like I wasn't my friends were like you want to come out and do this I'd be like no I have to finish this song or whatever and so I think yeah I definitely probably didn't approach it from a healthy I wasn't doing it in a healthy way and that kind of feeds into the not getting other people to mix and master my stuff as well I used to like make the beats and then mix and master it and sure it would all be in tatters by the end by the time I was done because I'd be so exhausted like when I was doing free parking and I think it's funny as well that you brought up free parking on Sundays and Bobby's Lament because they're like they are two of I w- and I don't know as time goes on I kind of learn to love everything that I've done for its own reasons but kinda, yeah th- yeah, I'm like, you know what, this actually stands the test of time and it's different to what the other things were. Because initially, like when Free Parking on Sundays came out, it was like I had been put under pressure time-wise to do it, which is good. That's the only way to get me to do something. Um, but initially when it was done, I was kind of like, normally I would be very dead sure that something was like mm. correct and that it was what I wanted. Um because I would have like sat with it until 3am in the morning or 4am yeah. in the morning. Um, but for that thing, it was kind of like, I need this for now. And I was working as well at the time. So it literally, I would come home at half five, go upstairs, maybe do some production, then maybe mix it um, and then try and master it. I got Ozone 9 or whatever. And I was just like, auto master. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, tweak this knob, tweak that knob. And like my head would just be ringing yeah. by the end All of the All the frequencies just kind of blend into one big bit of white noise yeah like, you yeah, can't hear yeah, anything yeah yeah, it's mad. Like, <laughs> yeah. i, I but, get you ear fatigue is yeah. something that i've learned to try and deal with a lot more and i was actually speaking to mm-hmm. um yuli about this last night um mm-hmm. yeah he's uh just kind of like sending over some ideas just we were just chatting about just chatting about music and mm. um he was saying like it, last night it was really funny he was saying he was like mixing and it's like I, I'm i going insane you know I don't know I don't know what's happening mm. and I just said to him the one thing I've learned yeah. if you get to that point bounce out an mp3 save yeah, the, se- yeah, yeah. Save so the you session can remember. till the morning do not listen to that bounce yeah. and listen to it first yeah. thing in the yeah. morning and see what you think because it's like yes. if you listen yeah. to like with fresh ears the perspective is insane mm. like from from yeah, a mixed perspective and like as someone who I'm sure you you do as well you're hearing like you're hearing the macro details and it's like stuff that yeah. really 
fucking annoy you for, you know yeah 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 and you didn't hear it up until now but like now that you've heard it's like when you when you spot a cut yeah. on your hand yeah and you're like this didn't hurt <laughs> until i saw it and now that i see it it's so so painful yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that even happened to me last night when i was trying to get the stems ready for you i um i just heard like a popping at the end or the start of some vocal or the end of some piano or something and i was like what the hell and then i like looked and it was it was happening all across the thing and i was like I don't know, there's just certain things, your ears pick up on certain things after time or maybe when they're fresh and it's just, it's frightening sometimes because you don't yeah. know what you're missing out on. Like what, yeah, what haven't you yeah. heard? Even though I've, These are the things that keep me I've awake at night. Even though I've 10 hours doing this today, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned yeah, quickly, yeah. Oh, this is something I've wanted to talk to people in this line of work about because um, I, I'm i in the same situation and I, I just want to kind of mm. hear what other people think about this. You say you have a, a job as well outside of this um mm. so do i i work nine yeah. to five um how do you mm-hmm. find like do you find that the balance is good do you find it's uh do you find that then going into music feels almost like a almost like a tonic at the end of the day do you feel like that's something mm. that it's like or do you feel like sometimes it can be a labored effort um both and obviously that's cliche again to no i would also i'd again. agree um, I'd agree but like you. yeah um, there's parts of it like staring at a screen from nine to five and then staring at a screen from five to, nine, five yeah. to twelve or five <laughs> yeah, to three yeah. or whatever. Like that's that part obviously is not great and I know that my eyes definitely have deteriorated um probably from that and that's kind of that free parking on Sunday's era as well was when I noticed that my eyes were like I was like, What the hell? Like I would go in in the morning and I would like have a headache and my eyes would Aching, be like yeah. at me and I was just like something's wrong and sure I had a laptop with a 4k screen and the plugins were tiny <laughs> and I was like this staring at the plugins um but yeah it can be it can definitely be a tonic I think when it's when it's for fun and when it's not like as in so like I talk about Spotify versus SoundCloud and for me that's like DIY fun uh escapism versus trying to make something more of it trying to make a little bit of money out of it trying to whatever yeah it's like amateur versus professional um and i was watching i don't know how to say this to you i was watching um anthony bourdain's i hope i didn't butcher his name but his cooking show on netflix because i've literally rinsed everything else and i've seen all the murder documentaries (laughs) that are possible to watch at this point uh so i'm watching cooking shows now um and he someone some film director uh from new york is like amateur is for the love of form and professional is for making money. Um, so I think depending on what I, way I'm approaching it, if I'm approaching it kind of from an amateur perspective, it can be a tonic. And sometimes if I'm approaching it from a professional perspective, it can be kind of a, a drain. But at the end of the day, like putting together like a professional release and rolling something out professionally and whatever gives me as much of a kick when it's done as kind of like uploading a song on Spotify or on SoundCloud would have done four or five years ago, kind of to the DIY masses. Mm. Um, so yeah, work, um, it can be, it can be either. Like sometimes, sometimes I can't bear to like sit and look at a screen and then I'm like, what do I do with myself Mm. now? I watch Netflix or I like go on my phone. It's like, how do I escape the screen? Um, but yeah, it's it's good, I, and I especially like working from home because it cuts out the um, 
like lunchtime. You know, I used to try and go home at lunchtime and make like a fifth, like make a read in like 15 minutes and just see how it went. And I was like, I'll do that now every day for a week and see how it goes. And sure, like two days in, like you'd hit traffic or something, or you need to get petrol or and something, gone. and your 15 minutes is yeah. gone. Yeah. So I like that, like your hour lunch break now is your hour lunch break, and half five, you're done and you're at home. Yeah. Like you're no longer traveling and whatever. So from that perspective, I, and I like, I also like having the stability of an income without having my music depend on that. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to put out a single this month. Um, to keep my streams up, to keep make sure I can pay my rent yeah. next month. And I don't need to apply for this or I don't need to apply for that and I don't need to kind of bend over and yeah. whatever to to make sure that I can keep the lights on or whatever. That part's nice. Um, that being said, I would love for music to be my sole source of income. So like it's kind of, it's a hard one. Um, but sure, yeah, I find like you've said a couple of things there that I was actually going to ask is particularly about the work from home mm. thing. I found that to be mm. an exponential boost for my productivity yeah. because, um, yeah. like I'm working. So my studio and uh, home are in two different parts of Dublin. So yes. I like I, mm-hmm. I found that I found out quite early on that working out of my home didn't work for me musically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and. It just doesn't. I like having a per. I like, and yeah. you've got your kind of little studio set up there, which is great because you've got the purpose mm, built mm. area for that. And yes, I never yeah. had that at home. It was always just. It was always just yes. thrown together. So for me, the purpose yeah. built area is the studio. That's like yes. proof for mixing. It's got all the instruments here. Yes. Like it's got the. Yeah. It's got the good monitors. It's got the desk set up. It's got yeah. everything ready, just ready to plug and play. So when I finish, when you walk in the door, you know that it's time for ex- business. Like exactly. For, exactly. It's like I yeah. uh, right as soon as five o'clock hits, I close my work laptop. I'm making yes. myself. Uh, a quick cup of coffee or something like that um, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I'm out the door to the studio and I'm in the studio yeah. before six o'clock ready to set up and everything yes. so yeah. Um, yeah and it's good to have to travel to somewhere as well because it's like going to the gym you know like once you get there then it's like right I'm here now yeah, I might yeah, as well yeah. exercise yeah. so it's kind of the same like I'm the same sometimes like I would be even last night when I was trying to finish something up I I had a coffee and then I had a beer <laughs> and then I had a coffee <laughs> And I was just sitting there and I was just like, oh man, I'm so tired. I really, 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 yeah, yeah, I was like, I really, really, really don't want to go into that room. And like, (laughs) but if I had to get into a car, obviously I couldn't have a beer and a coffee and a beer and a coffee. But like, if I had to drive somewhere, like the time that you spend traveling is the time that you save procrastinating. Um, So yeah, I I, I can see why having a separate place um, would be good. And who knows? Someday, man. Someday. I, 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 I aspire. Honestly, I aspire. like, I do, and you say having the extra comfort of the income coming from the nine to five, that's mm, what's mm, allowing mm. me to be here. Like, that's, yes, what's, yeah, that's yeah. what's allowing me to be here. I wouldn't be able to do it on music alone, which is, it's hard yeah. to admit to yourself because, like, like you say mm-hmm. yourself, what I would love to do is to have my sole source of income to be for music. Um, yes. And I think yeah. that maybe I'm. You know, maybe I'm dreaming in, in an ide- idealistic world, and but I think that someday it will be possible. I think um, so too. You know, I've got that kind of in the back of my head, and it's just kind of keeping me going. And it just like yeah, it's just like yeah, it's nice. It's like a little motivational force that's it's keeping me going to 
achieve, like yeah. just continue to achieve and like check off those milestones, like I was saying earlier. And yes. you know, it's like yeah. it's important that you have those for like for mental health purposes as well. Like I think it's so important yes. to look after yeah. your head in in this yes. fucking wild world that we're living in now of the dystopian yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Mirror episode like yes. that has been the past 12 <laughs> yeah. months it's so so important yeah. um, absolutely it's something I definitely didn't do for like when when I started I was too young to even to even know that I could potentially like feel anything other than like pure yeah. joy burnout is like <laughs> all the just time. like a non-existent yeah. thing yeah 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 and I was like, I don't, what do you mean go to bed? What do you mean eat food? I'm grand. <laughs> I'm making beats. <laughs> um, and then when I, like, around free parking on Sundays as well is when I moved to Kilkenny uh, for work. Yeah. And I was living alone. Not alone, like I was living in a house, but like I was technically like with strangers, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that they probably thought I was a very strange person because like, they were like, what the hell? He just stays in his room all day. He doesn't even, and like I come down and make dinner and chat with them and be lovely and be sociable and then just disappear. They're like, do you want to watch Love Island? I was like, absolutely not. I'm gone. (laughs) I'm gone upstairs. I'm going to sample the theme song though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but um, yeah, it's only now, it's only like maybe since lockdown that I'm like, right, I'll go to bed and I'll get up tomorrow and I'll have my vitamins and I'll have a juice and I'll have some water I have a coffee and have something to eat and then yeah. I'll go and like whatever and like I'll have my lunch because I used to not, I used to be a chronic not eater of lunch because I was like I don't need lunch and make a beat lunch is for weaklings <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly um, so yeah I'm only kind of it's only now that I'm actually like really looking after myself and going to sleep yeah. and going out for a walk and closing my eyes for 10 minutes and just like you know, just taking my time like I realised that um, Joe, when they talk about working smart versus working yeah. hard, like taking ten minutes of a break and then going back to it is a lot more productive than smashing through like thirty minutes of it when you're in agony. <laughs> so yeah, I can I, I can relate to that on an exponential level. Like, <laughs> mm, um, yeah. like for me, what I like doing is um, I'd be in the studio. I might be working on a mix or whatever, and like um, mm. we recently we recently just got a new bass, like a, a nice. Fender Jazz and yep. um, like I've always wanted to know how to play bass like as someone who played mm. drums the yes. rhythm section was always super important to me so yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, the one thing I always wanted to learn was bass so like I might be mixing mm. something I might be like not fed up but I might just be getting a little bit like the the mist is kind of the fog is kind of coming down over your eyes a little mm, bit and it's like right yeah, okay yeah. now that i've seen that i've noticed that i'm going to step up for 10 minutes i'm going to just pick up the bass i'm going to just practice and try and learn yeah. a couple of songs on spotify that's unreal and then like to be able to like not even try fucking try and learn it like fucking just yeah, yeah. plod along to it or whatever just jam around, yeah, yeah yeah just figure it all out and give yourself that little bit of practice because it's kind of productive too as well as being fun you know yeah so i'm just trying trying it's, to like find those little niches where not niches but like those little moments where it's like okay i am not being productive at this other thing why how can i be mm. productive but also enjoy myself and distract myself yeah, from this in yeah, another way so i can yeah. come back to a fresh it's like a related tangent it's like yeah. it's it's on the same track but it's not the same thing 100 yeah, percent. even i was um i was after getting on someone to do a commission and they were doing an exhibition at the same time and they i was like oh god i was like i don't want to burden you or whatever and they're like no i like to have I like to have two separate things going at once so that I cannot be like come become bogged down in either one. Yeah. That's actually a very interesting thing. I like I, I never would have thought about I'm always like 
have to focus on this, shouldn't like mess around playing keyboard for that, but like I definitely just need to implement more like healthy practices around music making and production for me. Because yeah, but yeah, no, I've I've tried I've started um like playing the guitar a lot more mm. um and like just in between like trying to do things, just sitting back and picking up the guitar and just noodling around. And like, there's a sense of joy in getting better at something, and then you can go and apply it to the, to your music production or whatever. Eventually, as well, so like it all feeds into one another. So, yeah. it's all is good. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like it's a constant, like circular flow. Yeah, um, which is which is great. Um, do you mm. feel like that was something? Because I know you did a pack for splice. This is something I really want to mm. talk to you about because I'd love mm. to just know a little bit about the process and was mm. that something that um, you felt like was a fun thing that you could use to pull mm. yourself away from something else because like yeah. I, I have the whole the whole pack I use it a lot um, mm. and it's like it's been really really good for me in terms of like yeah. getting trying out different sounds and learning how like these these different snare drums work in different scenarios and how you can mm. layer mm. and how you can like it's taught me a lot about groove as well and how to like mm. try and apply groove a lot more because that's something that you know I would consider you to be an absolute expert on swing groove so um what was the what was the process like for that it was actually cool and i kind of i don't think i appreciated how much fun i had doing it until after it was done because like the sad thing for me is that like and i know it's probably the same for everyone but like the first like normally when i get asked to do something it's always like my first time so there's always like stress attached to it um, so like I'd never I'd never done like sample I'd never made samples before mm. and I didn't know anything about I remember even in FL Studio when you want to bounce audio or at least at the time when I was trying to bounce the audio I would have like my snare drum that I would have sampled from wherever and then I would have like all the processing on it and then at the very end there's a plugin called Edison and you use Edison for recording and kind of manipulating wave files and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And I remember I was like, I was trying to drag them. I would record them into Edison and then I would try and drag them out of Edison into the playlist. And it used to like, it would curve the, it would like round out the front of the transients on the snares mm. and round out the ends as well. And the ends were obviously less noticeable, but like, I was like, what the hell? And like that went from it being like, to being like, like yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. Sound like a slap. And I was just like, Jesus, oh, oh, I can imagine I was like, that what was the incredibly hell? frustrating as well. Yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? And then I had a look. Sorry, I don't know if I even allowed to swear, but then I went oh, back yeah, no, and I had a look, get. and I was like, oh my god, like I was like, all of the like the last like forty odd snares that I've done are like rounded out at the start. So things like that were annoying, but also now I, when I'm editing or when I'm exporting audio, I know that there's a setting that you can ensure that the transients at the start don't get touched and also that the tails at the end get left extend out so like it was cool um it was good for me as well because i was always really productive or protective over like my drum sounds and how i process my drums and stuff and i wouldn't really like to tell people people would be like oh what what are you using what like plugins what compressors blah 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 and I would be like, oh, it's just a... Wink, just wink, a, nudge, nudge, yeah. I would never lie, but I would never be specific. Yeah. I would be like, it is a... I don't even know. It, whatever the tube tech CL1B is, yeah. I would be like, <laughs> yeah. it is a fast opto compressor kind of thing. But like, I would never be like, get this exact plug-in and use these 
settings so you can sound more like me because I was just like it's so hard to find something that is you so then to just give that away is kind of scary but that sample pack kind of forced me to give that away like give the drum sound away and then what that forces you to do then is reinvent yourself uh, which is probably and I think that's why I've kind of ended up like diving more into like the playing of the keyboards and the singing and the rapping and because up until then it was all about kicks, snares, and hats. Like that was my <laughs> that was my pride. Like I was like, oh, my snare sounds so good. I can't believe that. Like I don't know. But basically, splice pack was fun. Uh, I went to Costa Coffee. I got a load of like breaks, um, like drum breaks, and I went to Costa Coffee one day, and I just sat there for the whole day, and I felt like such a like digital nomad. <laughs> I was just like, I was just chopping drums and just processing them and just doing all the things and exporting them. And it also forced me to go back to old projects that I had. So like a lot of the SoundCloud tracks and go and rip the drums from there as well. Okay. Which is something I hadn't done. And it makes no sense to me now when I think about it. Like I even used a sample pack myself um, instead of, because like something that I'm like really bad for is like opening a project and starting from scratch every single time. And then I only just realized that like I do the same thing every single time, so like why not open like start to like create a template with the the various different things that I always mm-hmm. use and it's only and also like I use the same sounds all the time, so like it's like it just I don't know the sample pack opened my eyes to kind of streamlining things and how I could be more productive myself. Um, so yeah, it was cool. That's, that, I was also oh, yeah. No, sorry, I cut across you. Go ahead. Just the very last thing, I was like super reluctant to um, splice. We're asking for more melodic content, like chord progressions yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like what I said earlier when I was like, unless I'm like an expert, I say it, I can't do it. So like they were asking for chords, and I was like, oh, that's not really my forte. I was like, the people are gonna want drum sounds from the sample pack because that's what I'm kind of known for. And now I'm like, I'm looking at, like, I'm looking, you can look on Splice and you can see which sounds are most popular and it's all the chords yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like along with the drums, but like, I'm just like, I need to stop um, telling people why I can't do what they want me to do and just accept that they want me to do it and do it Yeah. to the best of your ability at that point in time. Yeah, I think that's all any of us can do. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. do you think that having the awareness of that is going to help in the long run? Do you feel like it's like a slow process of you trying to let that go? Or do you feel like you're kind of at that point now where you can do that? Um, I'm I'm definitely, I'm getting, like, I'm, I think it's like a continuous thing. It's happening and then it keeps happening more and more. And like, I'm continuously leaving more or leaving go of more kind of thing. But like, I always say that like, it's a bit cracked the way I like think about music production because like I want to I want to produce beats like Jay Dilla and I want to rap like MF Doom or Nas or Jay-Z and I want to I, I don't really want to sing like anyone because I know that like that's one thing where my mind is actually like you know what you're not the best singer in the world let's not strive for perfection on that front but everything else I want to play piano like Bill Evans and I want to just I want to be like virtuoso at everything and it's not healthy because you're never going to get there. But uh, I think it's like the freaky dichotomy of Robert O'Halloran. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that like, it's from my mother as well. Like, no matter what I did, and this is not in a bad way, she's a great woman. Um, and she, but she always pushed me to do more. I'd yeah. be like, Mom, I got 99%. And she'd be like, That's great. But where, like, how'd you, where'd you drop the one? Like, what did you, what didn't you do? And that's why whenever I do anything, 
I'm always like, that's great, but what about, about the, yeah, yeah, what about doing? Do you know what I mean? I think the journey. So. I think the journey to that perfectionism is something mm. that's like also something that we don't really talk about very much as people mm. who are de- continuously developing our skills. Like I mm. won't claim to be the top of my field. I definitely think I'm somewhere in the middle, you know. Mm. Um, but because I don't feel like I'm at the top, I don't feel like I'm at the bottom. But I think that like the journey is. Mm amazing like absolutely uh, you, know, you learn so much about not even just about music but as you about yourself as a person yeah i think you, you operate and how your mind operates and how yeah. the gears are turning and yep. you know stuff like that and i think when you like when you drop the like the the notion or the like the want to be the best you actually enable yourself to be a lot better do you know what i mean mm. if you're like oh i wish because I'm like for a long time I wanted to be the best and then it's just like no matter how no matter who you are no matter how good you are there's always someone that's like freakishly brilliant and you shouldn't be disheartened by that because you're still great at you and I just think as long as we're having fun and as long as we're making nice music and as long as we're having a laugh and we're making a little bit of money and people are enjoying it then like there's nothing to. There's no reason to scold ourselves as long as we're trying yeah. to get better and we're getting better. Then it is what it is. And say, let me. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, yeah. That's a great. Uh, no, it is. It's a great um, mentality. I think to have um, yeah. in the back of your mind as someone who like, because it's something that yeah we do take it for granted. And like mm. I find sometimes. I, there was definitely a time where I was saying to my friends like I just can't listen to music in the same way yeah, anymore. Yeah, like I yeah. don't. Ha- I like I don't. It's not that I don't have the appreciation for it. I think I definitely still do. But you're just. It's like you can't shut off that part of your brain. Yeah. It's yeah. like I'm listening to this music and I, oh, I really like the mix in this or oh god, yeah, yeah. Snare, do you know what I mean? Oh god, that snare sounds <laughs> yeah. really good. Or, oh, I wish I could like get the sub on the yeah. bass the same as this yeah. or like yeah. how do they do this that or the other, but. Since, um, and I know this is something, because we've spoken about this, mm. I think that starting to collect records has really helped me just yes. to engage with a piece of music again. Mm. Yeah. You yeah. know, in a way that I can really just sit down and enjoy it. Yes. Do you yeah. feel, because I know you collect vinyl too. Only just like, I, the scary thing for me, okay, I won't, I won't tangent, tangent, tangentiate before <laughs> I answer the question, but... I definitely felt that as well in that like I would go to pick someone up or something and I would put on Spotify and I'd be like oh jeez like it used to be with the radio where I would hear like Katy Perry um, not that I don't love Katy Perry but like <laughs> some of the like Dark Horse or some some of those songs like deeply deeply like enraged me I was like I hate this <laughs> like I love I love pop music but I was like I hate this yeah. um, and then like even with Spotify then stuff you dictate exactly what you want to hear all the time and then you get enough of that as well and you're like, I hate my favourite artist now as well. Like, mm. I hate all music and I hate my own music and I'm so, what yeah. do I listen to? Um, and that's why I think you doing a podcast is a great idea, especially for music making people because yeah. that's the only thing left to do when <laughs> you're so fed up with music. You're like, what the <laughs> hell can I do with my ears? And you're like, I'll just listen to other people talking about making music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I do think that, I think records are, I, yeah, I just think it like, it's, I don't have an analogy, but it's just, it forces you, like, you're not going to get up and like pick the needle up and look at the record and like move it to like your favorite verse or your favorite yeah, song. Yeah, it's the, being, that 
um, ability being taken away from you. Mm. I think because you're forced then to like listen to a project in long form you're forced yeah. to listen to it in the way the artist intended you to yep. listen to it yeah. and like there's so much to be said about that mm. and and then kind of um what am i trying to say like you're taking in the project as a whole yeah. and you're getting a full idea of the mindset of the artist i guess um yeah. It, yeah. and it, like it can be different from artist to artist and it depends on who it is and yeah. Everything is just slightly different, but you it, it you're you have to then think about those things as opposed yes. to think because you're listening to everything together and it's like mm. okay, well I'm t- I'm not listening to the mix, I'm not listening mm. to the snare drum. Yeah. You are subconsciously. There's so many mixes going on at once. It's no longer you're no longer like honed in on one thing. You're like yeah. you're thinking about it from macro as opposed to micro. Uh, oh, yeah, as it's it's an overarching. Yeah. Overarching yes. Thing. I just think it's like you know with anything where they say like that what is it limitations breed no sorry what i was going to say to you was that like even in terms of the mental health thing especially now in this day and age where you can't do anything other than sit at home or go for a walk or look at your phone or whatever i think it's good to be forced to not be able to pick up the thing and change the and like you can actually let your mind rest for exactly 30 30 minutes or something and it actually what i find is like sometimes the thought of listening to a full album is daunting you're like geez i don't know if i have 40 minutes to put away right now to just sit here and listen to music but then i think like i always find that i'm like do i actually have to get up and change the record again do i have to flip that record again i was like i can't believe that that side of the album is gone already already. yeah 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 Yeah. so i think it just i don't know i think it's good it's healthy i can see why people obsess over it and spend fortunes on it think it's the same for me it's like yeah you're setting time aside for yourself to kind of shut yeah. off and just go back to something that you love and enjoy mm. and yeah i think in turn that then assists with the creative process mm. um i found it to assist with the creative process definitely mm. like it i try and align my listening with what i'm trying to achieve if you know what yes. i mean so like yeah. if i'm trying to um if i'm trying to make something a bit more you know in parentheses lo-fi um if i'm trying to make something like that i might listen to the uh, fear and loading and beats final or i might listen to blue note reimagined yes um or i might listen to uh freddie gibbs or i might listen to something like that you know yeah um or like if i if i'm looking to try and make something a little bit more like i'm trying to get a cleaner vocal in in the pop sensibility i yeah, might yeah. listen to the likes of shura or i might listen to the likes of lapsley for a female yes. vocalist yeah. or i might listen to something a bit more if i'm looking to do something a bit more dreamy i'll listen to jay mm. Hart or i listen to yes. something along those lines um mm-hmm. you know um i yeah. think I, it just kind of all ties itself back in subconsciously so i, yeah. I think that's that's 
a way I found really works for me. Yes, and I think as well, like it's kind of like a curation thing. It's like a filtering thing because you're only going to buy a record of something you love, and mm-hmm. you're only going to love it because it has something. So, like in terms in like pop sensibilities, it's like a super brilliant vocal mix, or it's like a great melody, or like a whatever, like just pristine as pristine as pristine can be and then in terms of I just think it literally it filtered the way with like Spotify and with the internet you can draw inspiration from anything you like and then that's stifling because what the hell do you draw inspiration where do you start Mm. so I think with like with collecting some of the music that you love the most and then being forced to actually listen to it in its uh, truest form I guess truest form yeah um, I just think that like it just distills your influences into like a little cask and you're like right I want to be influenced and you're like here I go yeah. so yeah I think you know I, at the start I was like why because like, I <laughs> when MF Doom died I had always oh, wanted to buy um, I'd always wanted to buy his album mm, Food yeah and when he died I like and I had I had been plotting on buying it like even like four weeks before New Year's Eve and then when he died I looked at the prices and it was actually like this was just after like 12 o'clock on New Year's Eve so the prices hadn't skyrocketed just yet uh, and I put one in my basket I bought it and three days later the guy cancelled the transaction and said that he had sold it on eBay at the same time and then he put it back up for like £300 or something Fuck even though me. I had bought it for like £75 yeah. and like, even then I was like that's expensive I was like you could just listen to it on Spotify Um and then that happened to me again, where I bought it for like a semi-reasonable price, a little bit more than I did the first time. And then the guy took it down, said it got sold on eBay at the exact same time. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I've heard this all before. Yeah. And then I eventually bought it um, from a guy in Jerusalem. Um, like I could have could have bought it somewhere way closer as well, but just didn't. Because I was so panicked at that point. I was like, I need to possess this now. Yeah. And sure, I spent a fortune on it and... But it's like it's worth having, though, right? Exactly. Yeah. As in, I don't like. I don't regret it. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely was had, and I definitely was swindled to a cer- <laughs> like to a certain extent. But like at the same time, I don't mind being swindled because it's like something that you're just. I just wanted it, and I needed it, and I have it, and now it gives me comfort. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I, did, I did the same thing with Blonde mm, by Frank yeah. Ocean, and yeah. like as someone who is in the vinyl game I'm sure you know that that's not yes, cheap <laughs> yes 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 um, so I just said fuck it I'm going to save up for a couple of months yeah and I lost my bollocks on it but mm. I have it <laughs> and exactly I have it, I have it it's there in yeah. its physical form and it's yeah. one of the greatest albums of all time like yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah. think that's that's up for debate like I think yeah. it, it's up there with like what's going on and Abbey Road yeah. and yeah you know all of those yes cult classics that are yes. going to be timeless yes um, and so banged like out in Urban Outfitters in like 25 yeah. years <laughs> yeah, on the top row splatter pressing like yeah, yeah. yeah luminous green <laughs> yeah no yeah. I agree I, it's weird for me because I always but no what you're saying is completely correct and I think there's no there's no fear in spending money on genuine art it's like buying a painting or whatever like it's never yeah. going to lose its value um and there's no harm in owning it and getting to like marvel at its beauty. Yeah, every exactly. Now and, then. and like, if you ever do need money, you can shell it off, and it still will be worth what you paid. So, yeah, it's one of the more sound. Like you could buy a lot of hoodies and pennies, and you could spend that money, and it'd be gone. <laughs> like it's you know the hoodies would be yeah. in tatters, and then you'd have nothing. But um, 
I don't, Channel I, the Frank Ocean thing for me is like I the first one I heard was Channel Orange and I never I I do I really really like Bland and this is going to like this is probably going to like trigger you and send you absolutely over the edge but like I love Bland and there's certain songs on Bland that I love but for me like Channel Orange was like a period of my life do you know what I mean like as in I listened to it on like yeah. I listened to nothing else I think I got it as a CD and I had a Walkman and I literally. It was just all that I listened to, and I don't know. When you start with an album, and you know, there's songs that you like and there's songs that you don't like, and then eventually the songs that you don't like become the songs that you do like, you and do you like almost for don't a like the songs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I just really, really loved Channel Orange front to back, and I like, I really like Bland, and there's great songs on there, and there's songs that I sing to myself, and there's songs that I read the lyrics of, and there's songs that, like, you know, I just love, but like, it never really. Like hit me yeah. as hard as Channel Orange, and I don't know why. Maybe I need to. I'm gonna try and listen to it in its full again. I actually did that uh, the first time I ever listened to the two records mm. in mm. like proper long form as an active mm. listen. I listened to Channel Orange and Blonde back to back, like nonstop back to back. Yeah, and that was that was a wild experience. But like mm. for me, it was always Blonde that just like edged out in front for me. I get you. Um, and it was something that. After that, I continued to go back to it and I went back to it yeah. and I went back to it and I went back yeah. to it. And it was like something I'm kind of like, oh, well, objectively, this is just a stunning mm. piece of mm. art. Yeah, 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 to yeah, me. yeah. You know, like there's like, yeah, it's got like there's bits that everyone doesn't mm. like, you know what I mean? About about anything. Yeah. Um, Nothing's without its flaws, but, but like that to, that to me, it's the flaws, I think, that are something that I find intrinsically important yeah, yeah. to even more enamoring again it's like this is beautiful and look at it look at this and it's still as beautiful kind yeah. of thing yeah I know Nike's yeah. Nike's stifled me and I'm not someone to be stifled you know what I mean like as in normal, like musically I wouldn't be like oh god that's not good I don't want to hear that but <laughs> when I heard Nike's and like the super high pitched thing I was like oh god I was like what what's going on just for a second and then like I listen back to it now and I'm like okay it's intentionally pitch shifted up and it doesn't necessarily line up perfect. Like I said, I think it's like shifted like a third or something like bonkers. It's the for- the formant. The formant okay, has changed. Grand. Yeah, so it's not actually okay. Fine. Up grand. or down? It's the okay. formant. He's like heightened up the formant. That's so fine. It's just a little bit more helium. That's okay. But yeah, no. Um, I don't know why we're discussing Frank Al- or Frank Ocean's best album because like <laughs> the two of them are brilliant and I love Frank Ocean. They are, yeah, um, they are. They stand on yeah. their own merits. They stand on their own merits for sure. Um, on the topic of having stuff on wax, do you have any of your own work on wax? I don't even have... Oh, I do have that... Um, I do have the Fear and Loathing in Beats compilation, um, but I actually don't... I have Kojak's um, Deadly Daydreams, but I don't have any of my own music... Um, so like I don't actually have any release yeah. on vinyl, but I am plotting uh, potentially releasing Fallen Angel, that MF Doom, the Mad Villainy remix thing, as a record. Mm. Um, I was thinking uh, for a long time I was afraid to use crates. It's like a crowdfunding platform for banging out records, okay. and I was like, oh, this is of a lower like prestige than you know. I want to be approached by a record label and have them take fifty percent <laughs> of the profits, and that's what real musicians do. And I'm like, why would I bother? I'll just bang it up in crates and just, if people want it, they can sign up. And if they don't, then it dies a debt and you don't lose anything. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so I'm after, I'm after looking into kind of getting someone to design like a sticker for the the record now and stuff um, themed with the overall 
theme of the album and yeah I'm it's it's hard for me because I'm like I'm trying to get away from remixing stuff and do like genuine musician stuff but also at the same time it's okay to dive true, back into true, that part of true, yourself true. you know I'm trying to like there was like a storyline for that fallen for fallen angel which was it was basically just kind of like a soldier gone mad and he drops a bomb at the end of it and it's supposed to be MF Doom but it's like sound clips from um, Doctor Strangelove and other kind of mm. MF Doom, Doctor Doom type related stuff. And now I'm like, yeah. I'm like trying to, I'm trying to create a side two for it. So I'm trying to create like a separate storyline or like a, maybe a flashback or something. But I'm trying to, so I only remixed like seven songs off of Mad Villainy for the first instantiation of Fallen Angel. And now I'm trying to do the last few that I didn't get to, because now I've, come across means of extracting vocals from songs that weren't mm. around back then. Uh, wink, 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 nudge, nudge, yeah. Bit of spectral editing. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, I was just like, grand. But then it just, it, the thing is, is like copyright then comes into mind and it's just like, there's people out there who are bold and they will put remixes on Spotify with the vocals and all, say nothing. Uh, millions of listeners, all this. And then... You're just like, um, should I be bold or should I not be bold? And it's like, am I being too careful or am I not being careful enough? And then the thing for me is like, do I want to do I want to release this MF Doom remix thing on vinyl as the full project with the vocals and all? Contact Stone's Throw and try and get permission? Or do I just put it out as beats or do I just be bold and do it and ask for forgiveness afterwards? And it's just... It's a scary one, and it's a dangerous yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, it's a dangerous game to play. And then I'm listening to like podcasts and like interviews with Peanut Butter Wolf, who's the guy that runs Stone's Throw, and he's just like, oh yeah, he was like, I used to bang up like Jay Dilla bootlegs back then, and then Jay Dilla would find out, and he'd be like, what the hell? Um, and he'd be like, do you have a problem with this? And he's like, no, let's just make it official. So it's kind of like I think if anyone could appreciate it, it would probably be him. Probably be him. But at the yeah, same yeah, time, yeah. you yeah, don't want sense. to, you don't, and it's it's even more difficult then when someone dies. So like, you don't want to be seen to be like, because I've seen a few. Capitalizing yeah. on, on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And I've yeah. seen a few YouTube videos now and stuff where there's merch stores and it's like just a lo-fi hip hop channel and they have like RIP MF Doom t-shirts and stuff. And it's like, hmm. It's kind of tasteless. Yeah, it's like you're not really benefiting anyone. I was like, if anyone needs to do an RIP MF Doom t-shirt, I'm sure someone in his family or someone in his camp can do it. Um, which mm. is why yeah, when I was doing the, the, I did a little remix thing from New Year's Eve until his birthday, um, January 9th, which actually turned out not to be his birthday, which I found out on the day that I was putting it. I, like, I literally slaved from the day I found out he was dead until January 9th because I'd put out the original Fallen Angel thing on January 9th. And I was like, I'll put out the mm. second Doom remix thing on January 9th. And then on January 8th, uh, it turned, they were like, did you really think the man who wouldn't tell you his real name and wore a mask would tell you his birthday? Would tell you his real birthday. And I was just yeah, like, fuck's yeah. sake. But yeah, I put, the, I put a donate. I made it free on Bandcamp and put a donation link in the thing to his family. And I was just like, I don't feel like I'm tarnishing or like tainting or taking or anything. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just, it's, it's kind of, it's a worrisome, it's a worrisome thing, but I want to get it banged up on vinyl somehow anyway. Um, so hopefully the next time we speak, I can tell you that. I own Fallen Angel on vinyl. Um, <laughs> well, that'd be something that I would absolutely be trying to procure yes, for myself. Yes. 
uh, when it does happen. Yeah. So I'm going to stay tuned on that. But I think um, we've covered an awful lot yep. of ground there. So I'm just going to finish up by asking where people can catch all your stuff and your socials. Uh, Instagram um, at jarjarjr.wave or wav, W-A-V, um, for my audio files. Um, <laughs> jarjarjiggityjr on Twitter. I don't really post too much there. But yeah, basically YouTube, jarjarjr.jr, Instagram, jarjarjr.wave. Um, SoundCloud, jarjarjr.jr, Spotify, jarjarjr.jr. Um, that's it. I'm also on TikTok for all you generation... <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Generation Z, Z something, Gen Z, Z, Z plus yeah. one. Yeah, I'm there too. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, maybe maybe I'll try and adapt yeah. as well and shake off the cobwebs of my yeah. elderly. I'm just self making looping videos for Instagram because like I, there's a guy called Connor Albert who does looping videos and they're just like they're just excellent. They just sound like beats and they just loop perfectly, so you could listen to it on Instagram if you wanted to. And I just make I try and make looping videos for Instagram now, and I'm just like I'll just put it up on spot on TikTok as well, just in case. Some influential <laughs> Generation Z person wants to take me and skyrocket me. Uh, but yeah, I love it. New album coming that's, soon. That's <laughs> new. <laughs> that's savage, man. Listen, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time. This has been such a great conversation, yes. and um, we've got a mix to do. Yep. So <laughs> let's get stuck into okay, it, man. Love. Thanks very much for the conversation. No I appreciate thank you it. for getting on to me, and thank you for the chat. enjoyed that conversation uh, with Rob he's just got so many insights into so many things and um, you know it was really thought provoking for me to you know chat to him about just kind of his life in music and his relationship with it um, particularly being in a similar fashion to me and actually having a full time job as well at the end of it so just really getting into it with him was, was great and um, you know such a lovely dude I highly encourage you to check out his stuff he gave you all his socials there at the end um, you can search Jar Jar Jr. anywhere he's one of the first results if not the first result to come up on YouTube Spotify um, Instagram everywhere so uh, I highly recommend you check out his stuff he's very gracious with his workflow as well he tends to show breakdowns and stuff he started doing that on the likes of TikTok and um, Instagram as he has uh, mentioned at the end uh, so Get on that, give him a follow, show him some love um, and spin his tunes. They're absolutely perfect for a Sunday afternoon listening when you're cleaning the gaff, making some dinner, having a coffee, just enjoying yourself. But um, that's again. But that's it for me um, for this episode. So once again, I'd just like to say thanks. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash noencore. Please, 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 please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts as well. 
um, any support is really appreciated and there'll be plenty more of these coming down the line we've got some uh, really really exciting interviews uh, not necessarily interviews I like to think of them more as a casual conversation so we've got many more casual conversations shall we say lined up um, for you guys to listen to I hope you find them as interesting as I have um, this is something that I'm really really passionate about so anyone who's listened to this and listened this far I really really appreciate you taking the time but this is no encore there will be no encore and we'll be back again soon Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.